the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. A subject we've discussed in the past, but one that could never be exhausted. Why God became man. We'll talk about that next, here on Truth For Today. It is a question that has been asked and answered in a variety of ways. Why God became man. Yet, there are still other ways to answer this question. And there is an importance to this question, even more so the answer, that we'll discuss here today on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Hi there. Welcome to our Thursday edition of Truth For Today. If you'll join us, we'll answer the question, why God became man. With this edition of Truth For Today, here's Pastor Phil Howard. To explain God becoming a man is difficult. How do you explain the second person of the Godhead coming to the earth, taking a human nature? Is he God or man? Is he both? What difference does it make? Uh, God the Son existed as a divine person from eternity past. Uh, I think this would be a good place. See this little chart I put in there for you? You got that chart? Let me uh, try to explain the chart to you. There's a quote here from the Athanasian Creed, written about 300 A.D., that says, We neither divide the person nor confound the natures. Let me try to explain a little bit about this chart. That we believe there's three persons in the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're one in a different way than the three, right? They're one in essence, one in nature, one in shared attributes. But there are three distinct persons who share the divine nature. The Father has the divine nature. The Son has it. The Spirit. All three share this divine nature. But they're each distinct persons. Now, when the Son of God is going to enter the human family, He's going to join to Himself a human nature. And a human nature is body, soul, and spirit. He's going to take a real human spirit, a real soul, a real body, real blood, real bone, real man. And he's going to join that to his eternal person. He's going to, as it were, join himself to that. And then this divine person will forever retain this human nature. He'll keep, when we get to heaven, we'll see Christ in a human body. He'll be the one we'll have no problem figuring out. We'll we'll get to see him. And so he joins to himself a human nature. Now, in that human nature, you'll see out throughout the Gospels, it's localized. He can only be at one place at a time. But his divine person, he's omnipresent. He can be everywhere. Uh, In his human nature, he can learn things. Luke 2 said he grew in the wisdom and stature of the Lord. He grew as a man. As a boy growing up, 
You might see him in the Gospels feeling a little irresponsible when he didn't make the trip back with Mary and Joseph, hanging out at the father's house. Where were you? Why didn't you tell us? He's learning. Uh, limited in knowledge, limited in power in the realm of his human nature. He can get weary. He can get uh, tired. He can get thirsty. Uh, all of those things that happen to him in the realm of that human nature. But as the God person and in the realm of his divine nature, he can never get tired. He's everywhere present. And it's kind of a chart that we want you to get this point, that Jesus Christ was God the Son from eternity past, and he just joined the human nature at Bethlehem. He just picked up and joined that human nature to himself, but he's always been an eternal person. Now, look here in John 1. We go there so often because it's a strong Christological passage that defends the deity of Christ. If you understood John 1, you'd never wrestle again with his deity or his mission. But notice at verse 14, the word became flesh. And that's God the Son. So there was a time he was not human, did not have a human body. There's a point in time that God the Son became flesh, and he tempted among us. He tabernacled among us. He threw out a tent, and the tent was his body. And Paul uses it later to refer to our own body, that our body's like a tent. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, and when he came, he was full of anger, wrath, and judgment. That's what we could expect, because the Old Testament doesn't end too well. In Malachi, he says, the Lord is coming again. He'll refine the house of Israel uh, with refiner's fire. Elijah is going to come. Judgment's going to come. And God shuts down prophets for 400 years. He has nothing to say to a nation that went into idolatry, to the nations who kicked him out of his universe. We don't want God. We want idols. We want things we can worship made of stone and wood and animals. And so God hides himself for 400 years. He withdraws. No word from heaven. And only when a baby starts crying in Bethlehem of Judea is God talking again. And when he started talking to us in Jesus, the surprising messenger brought two things. Our God is gracious and he's truthful. And truthful means he's reliable and he's full of kindness that we don't deserve. John testifies, that's John the Baptist, concerning him. He cries out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, and I understand that to be God the Father or his essence, but God the one and only who is at the Father's side, that's the Son, has made him known, and in the Greek language, has led him out for full view. So God sent Christ, and at a point in time, he became a man, and the mission was to lead God out so we'd have no mistake what God's all about. If you really want to know what he is, you have to examine Jesus. 
He's the full revelation of the Father. So God the Son became a man. Uh, God the Son was conceived by a virgin girl. And you read this in Luke 1. Let's go to Luke. The narrative and the scriptures is always better than the preacher. Don't ever forget that. We're so get addicted to speakers. Get addicted to the word. I've heard some boring preachers that were right on the truth. And I've heard some exciting guys full of error. It's the Bible you want to know. Men are perishing. They're passing. Don't get in love with styles. Get in love with the message. And the church coughed and said, amen. Amen. Verse 32. He will be great. Well, we got to reach back further. Come on. Verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. Uh, And Nazareth is not a good place to be from. That's where the Gentiles hang out, the Roman soldiers. So not a, a good neighborhood. A town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. He will bear the uh, nature of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. God had promised David in 2 Samuel 7, one of your physical descendants will rule over the house of Israel forever. I don't know where that's going on. I debate that it's going on in heaven. Some say it's going on in heaven. I think it would take place on the earth. But just a little side heresy. He will be great. And will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin. If it astounds you that a virgin should have a baby. It astounded the gal that did. So that's okay. The angel answered. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the most high. Which is God the father will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Listen to Mary. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. What a response of a young lady to a miraculous assignment. So what happens? Well, one more passage. Turn with me to Hebrews. Hebrews, to the right. Break in your Bible. If it goes, we know you haven't been having devotions. Hebrews 10. I love this passage. Verse 5. Therefore, when Christ seems to be on the brink of coming into the world, he said this to his father. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. Who prepared the body of Christ? God. It's a supernatural, uh, divine, male order, one of its kind. 
With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. God the Father and the Holy Spirit picked this young lady. Isaiah said a virgin would have the Messiah. Isaiah 7, 14. Isaiah 9, 6. A child would be born, a son would be given. And so what did they do to this young lady? They came. And because sin is passed on by mother and father, uh, we beget sinners made in our own image. David said, I began in sin in Psalms 51. When I was conceived, I was conceived in sin. Male sperm, human ovum come together to form a human nature, and that human nature is depraved even from the womb. We go sinning from the womb. So what does God do? He wants to have his son have a human body, but he must find a way that he can come into the human family without bearing the stream of sin that's passed on one generation after another. You may not know this, but your sin is in your genes too. It's not just in your neighborhood. doesn't matter where we put you, you'll find a way to sin. But with God the Son, God removed the human counterpart, the male counterpart, and God himself provided the equivalent of the male sperm. And he really took a real female ovum to provide a real humanity, humanity, not a phantom, not mystical. There was the human component so that he's able to bring about a son who gets a body from a young lady. He can be God the Father. He escapes any taint of original sin. And that's why even the Holy Spirit was overshadowing this process that none of Mary's fallen nature passed over to the embryo. God supernaturally superintended what was in her womb so that no taint, no contamination, nothing that was sin would touch it. And so when that baby cries, you've got a real baby without a sin nature. Because God the Father saw to it that Joseph wouldn't be needed. Joseph taught him how to use tools, but he was not the father of Jesus Christ. And you find that said in Matthew 1.19. It says in the genealogy, it mentions Joseph, Mary, and it says of whom Jesus was born. And it's feminine. Feminine singular in the Greek. He was of Mary. He was not of Joseph. Joseph was just the legal father, but he was not the birth father. A supernatural undertaking. To imagine God, what happened? What happened? Look at uh, on page two, uh, the changes that took place when the son became a man. Uh, Oh, that sounds good. We're killing a tree a week. I hope you keep these notes. Keep these notes, double your giving, and uh, then we'll, we'll pay for the paper and pay me heavily. Uh, why do you laugh? Uh, it was a change in his dwelling place. When he comes to the earth, he leaves the heavens. He leaves where his external glory is on display. It is a real change of residence from up there down here. Something really did change. Uh, a change in his possessions. He said in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, that for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Now, poor, uh, think of this. God the Son, when he was crucified, owned one piece of clothing. Think of God the Son's parents 
so poor that only two birds could they afford for Mary's purification 40 days after the baby. They couldn't bring a wealthy or middleman's offering, a lamb, a bullock or something, an upgrade offering. No, they're at the bottom of the economic chain. They're poor folks. And uh, they used to talk about Galilee of the Gentiles. You know why? Uh, And you know why Christ could even be called a child of fornication? Because Roman soldiers were stationed up there in Galilee. It had become corrupted by Roman soldier Gentile ethics. And to live in the north out of Jerusalem, you lived in a tough place where soldiers did rape, where soldiers did get out of control, and where Gentiles could mess with Jewish girls. It wasn't a good neighborhood. It wasn't a good income. I cannot imagine that I would ever, if I could have the power to choose where my son was to be born, that I would ever choose such circumstances. It is in the heart of every parent who has this natural affection to better the opportunity of their offspring. To want to better your child. You're going to get a better education. You're going to have better things. You're going to live in a better place. You hear that story. I'm going to improve your life. And yet, and yet, God the Father and the Son and the Spirit said, if you become a man, you must become poor. You must give up all of this. You must stoop so low that nobody would envy your position. They wouldn't even envy your parents. And then I I am so amazed at how impressed we are with class. We're so impressed with how much money a person makes. If you don't think it so, most guys, they want to ask a guy, what do you do for a living? Because in their mind, they're saying, ooh, he probably makes so much. I was at a golf course back in Texas, and it was a, a crowd that had made it, believe me. And one of the ethics, one of the rules that belong to this country club is you can't ask anybody what they did for a living, and you can't talk about money. They joined that club to get away from that. This is God the Son. And God the Father said, I want to talk to the human family. And when I bring my son, my greatest message, he'll become poor in order to convey the message. He'll go as low as you can. It'd be about like you willing to become a leper to reach a leper colony. Or it might be, think of it, if you could imagine it. How many of you are willing to become a whale to reach whales? How many of you are willing to step down, if you could? You want to really relate to the dogs that are in danger. And so you want to become Lassie. I mean, you haven't had many of those thoughts, I'm sure. And I can't imagine you ever thinking of one of your children, you know what, I want my kid to have an impact on people, so I want to move to the roughest, meanest, cheapest, um, lowest round of economic neighborhood I can and we'll just let him do without let's get him in poverty because then he can relate to everybody this is God God becoming poor and if you don't think he was poor you've not read the four gospels I mean they gambled for the one garment he owned at the cross he told his disciples you don't want to run with me to get rich The foxes have a hole to go to at night. The birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. I own no real estate. I own nothing that would make you want to be identified with me. Why? 
he uh, came to manifest how much God wanted to talk to us. And God was willing to live in a ghetto to get to talk to you. Because we couldn't reach up, so he reached down. We couldn't reach him, so he reached us. It's like Michelangelo in that Sistine Chapel. A hand reaching out through the cloud, trying to get a hold of Adam and Eve's hand at the garden. It's one of the most moving pictures you'll ever see. Just to see that hand through that cloud. God trying to get a grip on man. It was a change in glory for him. He gave up his external glory as God. And he took on the station of a man that there was no glory. He's a poor man. Uh, you know what? Imagine. You could have lived in the same neighborhood with Jesus. And you would have never suspected that he was anybody but a poor carpenter's son. Nobody accused him of being God. You don't have James and Jude, his half-brothers, saying, oh, yeah, the room lit up at night when he went to sleep. <laughs> There's none of this aura stuff. None of the, oh, there he is, the one that shines. There wasn't any of that. No. Matter of fact, Isaiah said, when we saw him, we saw no beauty that we should desire him. I think he's headed towards the cross there, but at least he comes up as a root out of dry ground. He comes up out of poverty, unimpressive circumstances. He was not stately in his birth, nor in his... He says, I'm buried by a rich man. He couldn't even pay for a funeral. He sleeps in a borrowed tomb. But Joseph of Arimathea ought to have felt good. He only needed it for three days. Gave it back. And this God became poor. A change in his position... He moved from equality with God and being recognized by all spirit beings. Nobody doubted he had equality before he came to the earth to taking the form of a servant and the likeness of a man so that you said, I just see a peasant here in Palestine. I just see an ordinary man. He became like us in every way except a sin nature. He walked among us. I mean, think of Mary. You know, Mary had, had to have the baby Jesus blow his nose. She had to potty train the Son of God. Is that real enough for you? He was a real man. And don't look at me like I'm sacrilegious. I'm being biblical. He was a real human. Real. The real thing. He was tempted in all points like as we are, apart from sin. What a unique person he is. He changed his form from the form of God to the likeness of men. Well, let's move. Why did, was it necessary for him to become a man? Why? Couldn't you do it some other way? Why become a man? We'll get started here. We won't get through all of it, so don't be nervous. We, you know, you say, oh, no, he's only on page three. Don't worry. I'll let you out before we get through page three. Maybe. I point out here he was truly a man, and these are just some examples of being weary, hungry, thirsty, uh, all of these things. It says it was a real humanity. See, if you read church history, there was people like Nestorians. They said that uh, in this man, someone would deny that he had a real body. Some would deny he had a soul, Eutychianism, Docetic. Just read church history on it. Just look up in a good theological dictionary. Uh, Ewell would be a good one. And they'll define all these Christological heresies. Some said he wasn't man. Some said he was... Uh, had just a soul, but he didn't have a spirit, all kinds of errors. But he was a real man, and these illustrated. And we looked at the John 1.18. He came to reveal God to mankind. 
And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Our time today spending God's Word to encourage you to bring you truth for today. If you have questions or comments about our time together, we would invite you to write to us. You can either visit our website and drop us an email, write to us via U.S. mail, or give us a call. Another way to reach out to us with your questions would be to simply record them on your voice memo app on your smartphone, and then email that audio to tftquestions at valleybible.org. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Our website, truthfortodayradio.org. And if you're writing to us, the address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. If you have questions about the ministry of Truth For Today and how we are funded to air on this radio station, we would love to talk with you. We are listener-supported, quite simply, and no gift is too small, no gift is too large. Whether it's a one-time gift or a monthly gift, it all goes back into the radio ministry, ensuring that it airs on this radio station. So would you consider that as you reach out to us here at Truth For Today? One other note as we close out our time today, while Pastor Phil is the pastor emeritus at Valley Bible Church in Hercules, we are still very much a part of this body. And if you are looking for a church, we would invite you to join us. Now, we know that this current crisis has us all sequestered away. So you can join us at valleybible.org, where we stream our services. Again, valleybible.org. And then, as we find ourselves released from this quarantine, we will be meeting together here in Hercules. And for information, directions, and details, again, visit valleybible.org. And then, we invite you to come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Blessed be the name.